Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. In our last class of Seerah, before moving on to the Hijrah, Al-Ula, before moving on to the first migration of the Muslim ila Ardil Habash to Abyssinia, we're looking at the Sunnah of Ibtila, the trials of tribulations and tests from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after the open propagation, the open call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Something which all the Anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they go through as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَا لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍّ عَدُوًّا مِنَ الْمُجْرِمِينَ And we made for every single prophet an enemy from the Mujrimin. And as Allah ta'ala told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وَلَقَدْ كُذِّبَتْ رُسُلْ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ That many messengers before you were denied. وَأُوذُوا And they were harmed. But they were patient upon the harms حَتَّى أَتَاهُمْ نَصْرُونَ To the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it came to them. And as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith, أَشَدُّ النَّاسِ بَلَاءً The most severe of people when it comes to trials and tribulation of who? Al-Anbiya, the Prophet sallallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala. ثُمَّ الْأَمْثَلْ فَالْأَمْثَلْ And those who follow them. So anyone who follows the path of the Anbiya will be tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, including the believers. So we said from the closest of those, to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was who? Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu So in the same way that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was tested, he was tested. And also after Abu Bakr, likewise the rest of the believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also tested. In the same way we'll be tested today. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Am hasibtum an tadkhulul jannah? Do you think you've entered jannah? Walamma yatikum? And it's not come to you. Mathalul ladheena khalaw min qablikum. The examples or the likes of those who passed before you, that hap what happened to them will not happen to you. They were touched by adversity and suffering. وزلزلوا, and they were shaken. The same way today that this ummah is touched by adversity, suffering, terror. The earth is shaking beneath their feet and the skies is rocking from above them. As in Izghuta, whether it's in Sri Lanka, what is in Myanmar? Why? And Yaqulu, or because they say, Rabbi Allah, my Lord is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we'll be tested. But the more the test is, the more the people say, Mata Nasrullah, when is the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a glad tidings. Ala inna Nasrullah qareeb. Verily, the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is near. So we'll be tested as believers. Now, the Prophet as we mentioned, was tested and was harmed by the mushrikeen in the beginning of his da'wah and later on in the da'wah. But what were the initial arms we looked at last week and the initial arms of Abu Bakr we looked at as well. But the thing about the Prophet is, after Lut every single Prophet was sent from what kind of a family? A strong family. Because when the people of Lut they wanted to attack the men in his house and take them by force. Lut said, I wish I had Ruknun Shadid, a strong pillar I could lean on. And what he meant by a strong pillar was a strong tribe, a strong family to lean upon. It is said after Lut, every single prophet came from a strong family, respected family. So the Prophet وسلم, he came from a strong family. So the harms, to the Prophet towards him, in certain instances, was halted completely. Or at the very least, was limited. They would have gone further if they could do so, but they couldn't do so. And likewise, 
the harms to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq was also limited and in some cases halted completely. Because as mentioned last week, when they beat Abu Bakr and the Kaaba until he became unconscious, until his daughter said we couldn't tell his nose from his face, that Bani Tamim actually thought Abu Bakr had been killed. And they went to the Kaaba. That the one responsible for this, if Abu Bakr dies, we're going to kill him. So he came from a strong tribe. So they were limited in what they could do to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. But there were those who were the vulnerables, the weak of society. And these are divided into categories. They were the slaves, number one. Secondly, there were those that were not slaves, but they were not originally from where? From Mecca. They didn't belong to strong family or strong tribes. And thirdly, there were those who came from strong tribes, strong family, but the people doing the torture themselves were who? Their own family. So nobody could do anything for them. Now, from those first categories of those that were slaves, there are many. From the categories, for example, those that are slaves, that they had no tribe to protect them. They had no family to protect them, was Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Bilal radiallahu anhu, his mother was Habashiyah. She was from Al-Habash. And she belonged to the tribe of Al-Jumah. Tribe of Al-Jumah. Her name was Hamama. She was Habashiyah. So she belonged to this tribe. They owned her. She was a slave. Later on, she gave birth to Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Where? Makkah. So Bilal radiallahu anhu was born where? Makkah. So when we say Bilal al-Habashi, Contrary to popular belief and misconception, Bilal was not from Habash. Bilal was brought, born, brought up, and lived in Mecca. And that's why when you go to the seer of Bilal, radiallahu an, they say Bilal al-Habashi, al-Qurashi, al-Taymi. They call him Qurashi. Because Islamically, a place where you grew up and you became aware of and you live for a certain period of time, that becomes your nationality. So forget what the West are doing today. We, we praise them. That you could go there for five years, they give you nationality. You go there for a year, indefinite leave to remain. Islamically, Islamically, these passports and these borders, they didn't exist before. So you find some ulama, it might be Nigeri. Thumma Makki, Thumma Madani, Thumma Basari. More than one nationality. Because they lived there for a certain period of time. As for the father of Bilal, radiallahu his name was Rabah. Whether it was Habashi or not Habashi, Allahu A'lam. We don't know where the father of Bilal radiallahu anhu was from. So Bilal, his mother was a slave. So it was blown into bondage, Bilal radiallahu anhu. And the person that owned him from this tribe was called Umayyah ibn Khalaf al-Jumahi. From the tribe of al-Jumahi. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He said about Bilal radiallahu anhu. He said, Awwalu man adhara al-Islam sab'un. The first people to openly proclaim that Islam were seven people. Seven. The first openly proclaiming. He said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And who else? Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. And then he said, Ammar ibn Yasir. How many is this now? Three. Wa ummuhu Sumayyah. And his mother, Sumayyah. How many is that now? Four. And also Suhaib. How many is that now? Five. And also Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So how many do you have now? Six. So there's a person who is missing. 
ايوه بارك الله فيك that was the last مقداد بارك الله فيك مقداد was the last so these were the seven to first express the islam openly he said اما رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وابو بكر as for the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and abu bakr فمنعه الله بعمه الله تعالى calls for him a protection prophet sallam بعمه to his uncle they couldn't do certain things to him وَأَمَّا أَبُوْ بَكَرَ فَمَنَعَهُ اللَّهُ بِقَوْمِهِ As for Abu Bakr, Allah protected him through his people. وَأَمَّا سَائِرُهُمْ As for other than those people, أَخَذَهُمُ الْمُشْرِكُونَ The mushrikun, they took them. فَأَلْبَسُوهُمْ And they would dress them in the scorching heat. Now it's not reached summer here yet, but it's quite hot now. So imagine somebody making you stand in the heat and dress you fully. In that heat for a long period of time. But they didn't just dress them in anything. He said, Al Basuhum, they'll dress them in armor min hadid, armor made of metal. They'll dress them in metal. And they'll bake them in the sun. They'll bake them in the sun and put them in this metal. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an concerning this torture went on to say. That during this period of torture, there was not a single one of them that was tortured in this manner, and they requested of him to leave their deen, except a very few. And one of them was Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that whatever they sought from him to do, he refused to do it. In fact, it was say, said that Umayyah ibn Khalaf. He will put the naked skin, the bare skin of Bilal radiallahu an, either humiyati shams or ramda. That when the earth was now scorching, to a point they say, law wudu alayha al-laham nadajat. If he was to put meat on top of it or cook the meat, they'll put his bare skin upon that sand. And Umayyah bin Khalaf will tell them to bring a big rock to place on his chest, to increase the pressure of his back against that heat and the pressure upon his chest. And he will say to Bilal, Wallahi la tazal hatta tamut. You remain like this until you die. Aw taqfur bi Muhammad. Or you disbelieve in Muhammad. Wa ta'budu lat wal uzza. And you worship lat and uzza. You can imagine the severe heat, the severe pain, the scorching of the heat. And Bilal radiallahu an will say, Ahadun, ahadun. Ahadun, ahadun, to show the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they understood the basis of this message, which is Tawheed. One, one. And there was nothing that hurt the Mishrikeen more than this Ahadun, ahadun. And he continued to torture Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Sahaba likewise. There were people that loved for their brothers what they loved for themselves. Although they enjoyed the privilege of protection and a strong tribe, they didn't watch their brothers suffering. They did what was permissible to do for them according to the Sharia, according to the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They didn't just suffice themselves alone as they did with other sahab that could do nothing for except with dua. So there are some people who cannot do anything for except for what? A dua. And to give them glad tidings and to encourage them to be patient. But if you could do more, you should do more. So when we're looking at what's happening around us today, and say, make dua, make dua. Wallahi ya ikhwan. For those of us here as expats, we know what it came. For those who came here by ourselves, by our families, 
We know the weeks and the months that we went through trying to bring our families over and the panic and the rush in our mind. Imagine you know, your children, your daughter, your wife right now was in Isgota. What would you be going through your mind? What would you be doing to bring them over? Our wives and our children in safe environment yet we want to bring them over as soon as possible. So the Sahaba didn't just sit back, they did whatever they could do. So the Prophet encouraged and asked the Sahaba عنهم, to try to buy the freedom of Bilal. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, it was said he was the one that bought Bilal. He went to Umayyah ibn Khalaf while he was torturing Bilal. And he said to him, Allah tattaqillah fi hadha miskeen. Are you not going to fear Allah concerning this poor person? Umayyah ibn Khalaf, he said to him, You're the one that corrupted him in the first place, so save him. So Abu Bakr he said, I have a black slave. I'll give you in exchange for Bilal this slave. He is stronger and more powerful than Bilal. He said, Umay ibn Khalaf, he agreed. In another narration, he said that Abu Bakr Siddiq was asked to give awqiyah min dhahab, or khamsa awqiyah min dhahab. He paid five currency of gold for him. Awqiyah, five awqiyah min dhahab from gold. And when he paid it, Umayyah ibn Khalaf said to Abu Bakr, Law abayta illa bi awqiyah wahida la bi'naka iya. Even if you refuse, to pay this five leaf of gold, will have sold him to you. This is how useless he said Bilal was for one leaf of gold. Abu Bakr Siddiq said to him, Lo abayta, if you'd refuse to sell him, illa awqiyya min dhahabin If you refuse to sell him except for a hundred, hundred currency of gold, will have still taken him. In fact, he said Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he said, if he had refused to sell Bilal, if he refused to sell Bilal except with Bilal's weight, his body weight in gold, Abu Bakr said, I'll abort him. And these were the Hasanat Abu Bakr that if you freed Bilal in the same way that the Hasanat of Abu Bakr, those who accepted Islam from Abu Bakr Siddiq, most, if not all of them, were what? Ashra Mubashirina Bijanna, the seven or the ten that were guaranteed where? Amongst the seven that were guaranteed what? Paradise. And likewise, if you look at the slaves that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu freed, from the greatest amongst them was who? Bilal radiallahu anhu. And that's why Umar radiallahu anhu used to say, Abu Bakr Sayyiduna wa a'taqa Sayyiduna. Abu Bakr radiallahu is our master. And he freed, not our slave, he freed our master. Bilal radiallahu anhu. And before Al-Hijrah, before the Hijrah to Medina, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, he actually freed seven slaves قبل Al-Hijrah. Seven before the Hijrah for a lot of money. It was said from these seven that he freed to show the father, the excellence of these people, was Amir ibn Fuhayr, who participated in the Battle of Badr and Uhud, and was later on killed shaheedan. Also, he freed Ummu Ubais, a woman, Ummu Ubais. And also, Zinira, Zinira, he freed her as well, the third. And when he freed her, she lost her sight. So the Mushikin, they say, they said, nothing, ma'adhaba basaruha. 
Nothing caused her sight to go except for Lat and Uzza. That's why she lost her sight. She said, Wallahi kathabu. But Allah, they've lied. La yadurran. They could not harm. Wala yanfa'an. They could not benefit. Nothing made my sight go except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At that point, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returned her sight to her. This was the miracle of Zanira. Likewise, Abu Bakr radiallahu an, he freed three women, Nahdiya and her daughter, from Bani Abdiddar. He freed these, three, these two women. So Abu Bakr radiallahu an, before Hijrah, he freed seven. And his father was a mushrik at that time. He said to Abu Bakr radiallahu an, Ya Bunayya, O oh my son, Inni araka ta'tiqu riqaban da'afan. I see you freeing weak slaves, just weak people. That follow anaka ida fa'alta. If you're to free people, free rijalan juldan yamnauk. Free people that are strong that will be able to protect you later on. And Abu Bakr radiallahu an used to say, Ya abati, O oh my father, uridu ma urid. I want what I want. Uridu wajhullah. I want the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about Abu Bakr radiallahu an. He said, this ayah was revealed in Surah Al-Layl. That is the one that doesn't give anything or something out of return of a favor. إِلَّا بْتِغَى وَجْهِ رَبِّهِ الْأَعْلَى He's only seeking the face of his Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Abu Bakr radiallahu an, he freed Bilal radiallahu ta'ala an, and he became free for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he didn't free him and own Bilal. Bilal was free. And after all this torture, all this persecution, as we say, Allah in the Nasr Allah Qareeb, verily the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is near, came honor for Bilal radiallahu an. First and foremost, honor and raising of status and position in that which matters the most. And that's where? In the Akhirah. Bilal radiallahu an, he participated in the Battle of Badr. That battle with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he looked at the battle of Badr and he looked at Ahlul Badr, the people of Badr from the Sahaba. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the people of Badr, do whatever you want to do after today. I've forgiven all of you. And he killed in this battle of Badr, Umayyah ibn Khalaf. And Bilal radiallahu anhu to show rifa fil akhirah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam actually called and said, Ya Bilal, hadithni bi arja amalin Islam. Oh Bilal, please tell me the most, the action that you're most hopeful of that you've done in Islam manfa'atan in terms of benefit. Why? He said, فَإِنِّي سَمِعْتُ اللَّيْلَ For tonight, I saw in a dream, I heard your footsteps in Jannah. Bilal radiallahu anhu said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, مَا عَمِلْتُ مِنْ عَمَلٍ أَرْجَ عِنْدِي I've not done an action which I have more hope in, in terms of his benefit, except I do not make al-tahara, al-tahur kamilan, complete ablution or purification, whether it's a part of the night or part of the day, إِلَّا صَلَّيْتُ بِهَا مَا كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لِي أَنْ صَلِّي Except I'll pray with that tahara. So every time he purifies a wudu or ghusl, he'll go and pray as much as he can. So Bilal radiallahu anhu, look at the rifa'ah fil akhirah. And not only rifa'ah fil akhirah, rifa'ah fil dunya likewise. He, Bilal radiallahu anhu, was the first to make that proclamation of tawheed loudly 
the adhan. So the same way they were taught him, ahadun, ahadun. This mushikeen did not know later on will come the time that Bilal radiallahu anhu will be the first to openly make that call. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. The most important pillar after a tawheed, the salah, the first to call the adhan was who? Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loved Bilal greatly. And he loved the adhan of Bilal radiallahu anhu. He said, فَأَرِحْنَا بِهَا يَا Bilal." Give us relaxation, give us peace, Ya Bilal, make the adhan. And that's why Bilal radiallahu anhu was known as Mu'addinu Rasulillah. It was known as the Mu'addin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And not only is he known for this, the Mu'addin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, because the Prophet loved his adhan, it was said after the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, due to his love for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Bilal no longer made adhan. Because when he made the adhan, and he reaches the part, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, Bilal began to cry. He could not hold himself. And he could not continue the adhan. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they also begin to cry. And Bilal, he asked Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, after this, I want to do the most beloved action to Allah Azza wa Jal, and that's jihad. Fighting the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he allowed him to go. After the death of Abu Bakr, he allowed him to go. And he ended up in the area known as a sham, who we call Syria, the Levant today, Syria, near Damascus. And he never made it again, again after the death of the Prophet. Except when Umar in his period, in his caliphate, he visited a sham and he went to Damascus. And he sought from Bilal to make the adhan. And Bilal for the last time he made the adhan. And when he made the adhan, they said there was nobody that had met the Prophet ﷺ from the Sahaba. That when Bilal made this adhan, all the Sahaba began to cry because they remembered the Prophet. ﷺ. And they said, Ashaddu nasa buka'an. The one that cried the most amongst them was Umar. Because at that moment, they remembered the Prophet ﷺ again. So Bilal, he spent the rest of his life in Damascus, in Damascus, and he passed away there. And upon his deathbed, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and his wife could tell he was about to die, Bilal radiallahu his wife began to cry. She said, Wa huzana, what sadness, what sadness. Wa wayla, what a tragedy, what a tragedy. And Bilal radiallahu anhu replied to her, said, La, wa faraha, wa faraha, what happiness, what happiness. غَدًا نَلْتَقِي Muhammad wal Muhammad wa Tomorrow I'm going to meet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa And his party and his companions. What happiness, what happiness, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So Bilal radiallahu anhu was from those slaves who was tortured, no tribe, no family to protect him. From among these slaves was Khabab ibn Arth. Khabab radiallahu anhu to show that the slaves were not only the Ahbash, Jayid, the Abyssinians, they were Roman slaves, they were even Arab slaves. Khabab was an Arab. So, Ummu and Mar, a lady once, a mushika, went to the market to buy slaves. When she got there, she found a young boy. She said, Masmuka, what's your name? He said, Ismi Khabab, my name is Khabab. She said, Masmu Abik, what's your father's name? He said, Arab, Minayna Ant, where are you from? 
He said, Naj. She said, Is that anta Arabi? You're an Arab. How did you become a slave? He said, A tribe among the tribe, the Arabs attacked our people. And they took the women as wives or Zarahan possessed, and they took the children as slaves, and they killed the men. This is how I end up in bondage in slavery. So she bought Khabab. It's from Najd. She bought him and she trained him to become a blacksmith. And Khabab became one of the best, sorry, blacksmith, right? The one that deals with metal. Best of them. And he was designing or making sword. He became known amongst the people of Mecca as the best sword, best sword maker. And when Islam came, Khabab he accepted Islam. And when he accepted Islam, his owner, Ummu and Mar, she went to him with her brother Sibar. And when the brother Sibar, he got to him, he said to, Anmar, uh, to uh, Khubab, I heard that Sobatta is a derogatory term for those who became Muslim. He said, La, I've not become that, but rather I am meant to be La. I believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wahda, alone. And there's no partner unto him. And I've left alone and forsaken your idols. And I bore witness that Muhammad is a messenger of Allah. They were shocked. How dare you, slave? We bought you. And not only did we buy you, we trained you to be a blacksmith. And Anmar, she loved Khabbab. She even rented for him a shop and made for him a shop to practice his trade. At this point, they went crazy for Darabu. They hit him. And at this time, they went to the workshop of where? Khabab. They hit him with everything they could find from hammer, from metal, from steel in that workshop. Until they said Khabab, he passed out completely. Now, the story of Khabab is spread amongst the chiefs and the aristocrats of Mecca. That Khabab did such a thing, was so brave. So they decided to do to Khabab what they did to the rest of the Sahaba to dress him in metal and make him roast in the sun. Then they came out to him, the Quraysh. While Khabab radiallahu ta'ala anhu was placed in the sun. And they'll say to Khabab, ماذا تقول for Muhammad? Now, what do you say about Muhammad? Khabab will say, Abdullah wa Rasuli. He's the servant of Allah and his messenger. جَاءَنَا بِدِينِ الْهُدَى وَالْحَقِّ He came to us with a religion of guidance and truth. لِيُخْرِجِنَا مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ To take us out of darkness into light. They say, مَاذَا تَقُوْ فِي اللَّاتِ وَالْعُزَّةِ what do you say about Lat and Uzza? You say, Sanaman, Asaman, Abkaman, La Yadurran, Wala Yafa'an. The two idols that are deaf, dumb, they could not benefit or bring harm. This is their gods. They were enraged. So now, unlike the others where they're dressed in steel, place them on their bare backs in the sun, they say, okay. They now brought stones they placed in fire. And they'll bring it to Khabar radiallahu an, and they'll place it upon his back. And they'll say, Hatta yaseel duhnukat When they place the hot uh, stones on his back, yaseel, you know what was coming out of the shoulders of Khabar? The fat was coming out of his shoulders. The fat of his skin. You know, you roast meat and the fat starts to come out. In another narration, Khabbab said, the only thing that would cool down my skin was the fat that was coming out of my skin. And Khabbab, radiallahu still didn't give up. And this, this is the woman that brought him, nurtured him. She wasn't severe, she wasn't less severe in her torture. 
Once she saw Khabbab speaking to the Prophet he passed by the shop of Khabbab. And she kept seeing it and seeing it and seeing it. So on one occasion, she got them to grab Khabbab. And the same metal which she was making swords with, placing in the fire, she stopped that metal in this fire until it became bright orange. And she placed it upon the head of Khabbab. They said, his head began to smoke until he passed out completely. After that, Khabbab was making dua against her and against her brother. And when the Prophet permitted his Sahaba to make Hijrah to Medina, Khabbab joined the Prophet. However, before that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered the dua of Khabbab. Answered the dua of Khabbab. This lady that did this to him, that used to torture him, it was said after that she suffered severe headache and migraine that they looked everywhere for her treatment. Illness, they couldn't find it for her treatment. They couldn't find treatment anywhere. The pain was so severe, more severe than labor pains. For women that go into labor, labor they have this, uh, this injection they give them in the back. What's it called again? Epidural. 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 Some women ref refuse epidural because it causes long-term damage sometimes, like back pain, so they say. Rather, some women, they have something attached to them that gives you a little shock. Now, what that shock does, it takes your mind away from what? The pain of labor. This woman, the only thing she could find so severe was that headache to take away the pain was to put metal in fire till it became orange and place it on her head. That's the only thing she could do. So imagine that. The same thing she did, every time the headache would come, she would put metal in fire and the children would place it on her head and brand their head with it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered the dua of Khabbab in Arth radiallahu ta'ala anhu. For amongst those that also tortured, that were not necessarily, and this shows that the slaves were not only from the Romans or others or the Africans, it's very important for us to clear up this misconception that when people say Bilal radiallahu an, they say Bilal, when they talk about Sahaba and they speak about slaves from the Sahaba, the example is always who? Bilal. He wasn't the only slave. There were many slaves. And slavery amongst the Arabs is not according to color. Because the Arabs, whether they were white, whether they were brown, or whether they were black, and some of them were black, black like me, they were proud of their blackness. Father Ibn Abbas, the brother Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, used to say, Ana akhdaru man ya'rifuni. Whoever knows me, out of pride, he used to say, whoever knows me knows I am green. And the Arabs, when they're extremely black, they'll say they're what? They're green. And he used to be proud of this. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I've been sent to the blacks and the red. The red hair refers to who? white people and the blacks refer to who the arabs so they were between black olive skin tanned whatever you call it and that's why during the conquest of Musr, the conquest of egypt the person that led the conquest was who who led the conquest of egypt ubada ibn samit and this was during the period of who amr ibn al-as ubada ibn samit was a leader of the mujahideen and when he went to speak to the Cyrus or the leader of Egypt at that time, the leader of Egypt said, you could go find it, Wikipedia, Google, anything. He said about Ubaid ibn Samit, I could not speak to you. You're too scary. You're too black. You're too black. I could not, he found it scary. He said, you're too black. 
So the Sahaba عنهم, they said, this is the best of us, the most honored of us. He's our leader. He's our leader. You will not, will not allow for you to speak to anybody else but me. So they kept convincing him until Ubaid ibn Samit approached him. Ubaid ibn Samit said to him, if you're not going to speak to me because I am black and I'm too scary, he said, behind me, Elf Rajul, a thousand other men, blacker than me and more scarier than me. To show that this issue of when people speak about black and also black has variances. Who said he was black? We don't know where his father from and Ahbash of different complexions. And as for the hadith in which Abu Dhar he was said that he said to Bilal ibn Sauda, the son of a black woman, Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah ta'ala, he said the hadith is da'if, but what Abu Dhar said to him was, Ya ibn al-Ajamiyya, you son of a foreign woman. Because Abu Dhar when they described him according to his description, Shadeed al-Udma min Adam was severely, not aswad, had a different interpretation, Udma min Adam severely, extremely black. Abu Dhar radiallahu the same one in the hadith radiallahu so this misconception is something to get rid of also I don't know if this is based on the film The Message you know they couldn't have found a blacker man in that film The Message they could not have found a blacker man sometimes I go to the masjid and sahaba radiallahu anhum none of us have seen them we could have general descriptions of them that people look at me maybe out of complimenting me They'll be brother, mashallah. You know, you look just like Bilal radiallahu <laughs> anhu. And sometimes it could be quite patronizing and insulting. Who, have you seen Bilal? You know, why? Yeah, people say this. More than once. Imam, just like of Bilal, you look just like Bilal radiallahu anhu. <laughs> I don't know if there's any similarity between me and the one in the message. Allahu alam. Anyway, so Bilal radiallahu anhu was not from the only slaves, also himself, Khabbab radiallahu anhu, another Khabbab. And other people that were tortured, or set of category of people that were tortured, not due to them being slaves, but they didn't come from a strong tribe, was Ammar ibn Yasir. Ammar ibn Yasir, and his father Yasir, and his mother Sumayya, a whole family under torture. Yasir, the father, father of Ammar, was from Bani Uns, a Yemeni tribe. They came to Mecca. When this Yemeni tribe came to Mecca, his, not, not as a tribe, he came individually with his brother Harith and Malik to look for one of their lost brothers. Yasir came to Mecca with Malik and Harith. They couldn't find their brother. So Harith and Malik, they went back. And Yasir decided to stay in Mecca, and he gave a pledge of allegiance to Abu Hudayfa ibn al-Mughira al-Makhzumi, to the Makhzumi tribe that he relinquished his freedom, I belong to you. And the owner of Yasir was Abu Hudayfa. So he said, I relinquish my freedom, I pledge allegiance to your tribe, Makhzumi. Later on, Abu Hudayfa, he liked Yasir a lot. And he married Yasir, radiallahu an, to a slave girl, her name was Sumayyah bintu Khayat. So he married Yasir to, to Sumayyah. Later on, they had a child called Ammar ibn Yasir. And when Islam, before Islam, when he passed away, 
Abu Hudayfa ifrida moon before Islam. Ifrida, Sumayya wa Amma wa Yasir. Jayid and his brother Abdullah ibn Yasir. Now when Islam came and they accepted Islam, so they were free slaves now. And the people heard about their Islam, because Abu Jahl used to do. When he heard somebody accepted Islam and he's got wealth, he'll tell everybody to boycott him and sanction him. If they were from the weak ones, torture. So Ammar ibn Yasir were from amongst those weak ones, because they were not originally from where? Mecca. So the Mushikeen, they would torture them in the same way that they would torture the rest of the Sahaba. The difference was here, they were not slaves, they couldn't buy their freedom. So the Prophet وسلم, these are the categories of people that will make dua for, or the Prophet وسلم, will encourage to be patient. So it said that the Prophet alayhima, alayhim wahum that the Prophet will pass by them while they're being tortured. And the Prophet could not do anything more but look at them and say to them, Sabran ya ala yasir fa inna mu'idakum al-jannah. Patient, O family of yasir, for verily your mu'id, your place of abode, inshallah ta'ala, is paradise. And once yasir, the father Ammar, he looked to the Prophet and said, Ad-dahru hakadha ya Rasulullah. Is this going to continue forever, O Messenger of Allah? The Prophet sallallahu raised his hand and made dua. Allahumma ghfir li Ali Yasir. Allah forgive Ali Yasir. And Allah forgave them. And not long after that, Yasir, he passed away on the torture. Before that though, his wife, Sumayya radiallahu an, she said, Anta ma'as. He said to her, Abu Jahl, you never accepted Islam. Illa anneki ashakti Muhammad except that you desired Muhammad for his beauty or his handsomeness. So she insulted him back and Abu Jahl, he took a spear and he stabbed her between her legs in the most private part and killed her radiallahu ta'ala anha. So Sumayya radiallahu anha was the first shaheedah, the first martyr in al-Islam. After Yasir, when his, both his parents had passed away, they continued and continued and continued to torture him to a point it was said about Yasir radiallahu he reached a point he didn't even know what he was saying anymore. And in some cases, he knew what he was saying. They'll force him to say kalima to kufr, to insult the Prophet to mention la tawal uzza bil khayr. And this used to sadden him a lot. And he'll go to the Prophet and the Prophet said, what is wrong with you? Why are you so sad? He said, ma tarakani hatta niltu minka. They will not leave me alone till I insulted you. Or mention la tawal uzza in goodness. Then the Prophet asked him, kayfa tajidu qalba? But how is your heart? It's a mutma'inna bil iman. It's full of iman. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi If they was to go back to torture Fa'ud, say the same thing about me again. And this was the rukhsa that if you're tortured under cohesion to say kalimat kufr. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah. وَمَنْ كَفَرَ بِاللَّهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ إِيمَانِهِ إِلَّا مَنْ أُكْرِهَا وَقَلْبُهُ مُطْمَئِنُّ بِالْإِيمَانِ Whoever disbelieves in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after his iman, except for the one who is coerced, and his heart is full of iman. There's no blame upon him. So wherever our brothers and sisters are, if they're being coerced, coerced is not just, oh, you fear a threat. You have to really be threatened. Or minimum force has to be applied to you. Because some people, they say, you know what? In the West, it's a bit difficult. I'm going to take off my hijab. I'm going to, uh, for example, not wear a thobe or shave off my beard. No, the danger has to realistically be there. And if it's there, it's permissible. Among those Sahaba, those that came from a strong family, but the people doing the torture themselves or their family, such as Mus'ab ibn Umayyah. Next week, inshallah ta'ala, 
we'll conclude with this and we'll go back to the tafsir according to the seer of the Prophet by doing tafsir which is in yani, in context of what mentioning Surah Al-Layl because Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu any questions inshallah <laughs>